Hello, everyone. So in this podcast, I bring another Cape Conian employee to the podcast. So this is the third third time I've done this, but bringing in Mary Sennett, Quality and Compliance Manager at CapeCon. She's got a large responsibility overseeing our quality management system, among other types of compliance standards um, oversight. So Mary and I talk about our uh, couple, a bunch of things in quality, but process validation. We really hone in on the process of of uh, process validation, the stages and the requirements of that process. We touch on traceability and then just really do a kind of a broad brush overview of some of the standards that we that we deal with from a compliance standpoint uh, here in the, at the in the TapeCon facility. So hope this you find this valuable. And without uh, further ado, bringing you Mary Sennett from TapeCon. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Better Product Solutions podcast. And uh, this is Steve Davis, president of TapeCon, with you again. And we're doing another episode where I'm bringing in a TapeConian uh, to the show and to get some perspective. And so I'm happy to have Mary Sennett here on the podcast, who's our quality and compliance manager. Mary, I'll let you introduce yourself. But um, how long have you been with us? I'm trying to, like 2012. I, I don't even, I have to think about that. But how, I guess, Mary, can you maybe introduce yourself, talk about your role at TapeCon, and then we'll get into some compliance stuff. Hi, I'm Mary Sennett. I'm the Quality and Compliance Manager here at TapeCon. And I've been here, I think I'm going into my ninth year. Um, it doesn't feel like it could be nine years, but at the same time, it does feel like it's nine years. You know how that is. And it's been just a really great experience because I really think that I've seen um, the company really grow in so many ways in the time that I've been here. And it's given me opportunities to grow too. There you so. go. And um, I remember, well, I, I think that, you know, when you came in the organization, we used to have, we used to have two facilities, one in Rochester, one in Buffalo, and we had kind of two different quality management systems. And so you were really instrumental, I'd say, of bringing them together and putting things I guess, in a better place, and particularly in our high compliance stuff, which is really where I wanted to go and, and talk about, I guess, from a brand owner perspective, someone who's commercializing a product who <clears throat> is dealing, say, with a life sciences product or um, or other compliance implications with the product, um, particularly um, when we bring in um, opportunities and we have to do process validations and do, I guess, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go into more detail but can you talk about i guess when when opportunities come in the door what really triggers um our compliance system to really kind of kick into gear when it comes to validating a production process and maybe put it in the perspective of where we sit in the ecosystem of our brand owner customer in the manufacturing stages okay well you know as mainly a contract manufacturer our customers are depending on us to basically understand the market that they're in and what the requirements are for those market. You know, there's expectations from their customers and there's expectations from regulatory organizations like the FDA. And by understanding what's needed and being able to support them through that phase, it's just a, a value added for them. So, you know, a lot of times the customers will have their own validation process and will participate in that. And our quality management system is written to allow that. Sometimes the customer will depend on us to go ahead and do the validation. Um, sometimes they'll ask about it and sometimes they won't. But when it comes up, they can be dependent that we've done it and we've done it in a uh, 13,000, 1390, excuse me, 13, <laughs> in an ISO 
compliant and FDA 13485 uh, and an ISO compliant FDA compliant manner. Um, we followed, you know, your quality management system requirements that are pretty much harmonized throughout industry. The and it matters. I mean, there's medical and there's non-medical. And how do we? I mean, when things come in the door, you know, there's a big distinguishment be, between what is medical versus non-medical. And and so, how do you? When you think of those two coming in the door, how? Um, what's different on the handling of something that's medical versus how we would handle something that's non-medical? You know, I don't really see a a large difference between that. I think it's important that even though we follow you know, the standard 9001 quality system and the medical device um, directives that we treat everything within our quality ma management system pretty much the same. It's going to cut down on confusion here and a best practice is a best practice. So, you know, if it's something that's going into a, an important product line, a compliant, you know, something that's compliant um, or the customer just needs good quality from us, it's all the same and we need to follow the steps. And of course, these steps are, you know, what's appropriate to the final intended use of that product as far as the level of documentation and the level of testing. But it's always important and it's always important that we assess what's appropriate for this particular uh, product or, you know, component that we're going to be making for the customer. Let's talk more about the documentation. So on, I mentioned process validation before. Can you, I guess, walk through what what a process validation is, and I guess what we do in terms of um, the documentation that that is produced when we do process validation that ends up being valuable to the customer? Yeah, well, I think the whole thing can be valuable to the customer in the long run. Um, so basically, when the customer comes to us with an opportunity, we're going to take a look and we're going to say, well, where are we as far as the ability to go ahead and make this product? We could start all the way at our design qualification phase, which is where we're looking at equipment or a modification to a piece of equipment. From there, we're going to go into when necessary an installation qualification. Once again, are we putting in a new piece of equipment? Are we modifying a piece of equipment in order to, you know, make this new product? Then you know, from there you're into the OQ and the OQ is where we normally are going to pick up. We normally have the the design qualification. We normally have the IQ done. Uh, actually, there's an IQ for everything we have in place. So there's not very seldom a need to actually go that far back. So we're going to start with the operation qualification, which is basically where we're going to, you know, engineering um, and operations are going to get together with quality. We're going to determine what appropriate sample plans are and we're, we kind of combinations we're going to run on press, you know, everything from speeds to settings to, you know, material size. And basically, we're just going to do uh, experiments until we come up with a good, reliable product. And then we're going to have the settings around it. If, you know, if we run the press with this setting, if we, you know, if we do this, we are pretty confident, um, very confident that we're going to get good product every time. And then of course it depends on what, you know, we might put some in-process testing in place to continue to confirm uh, as a product and or process control. And of course, you know, everything goes through 100% inspection, at least a visual inspection um, during production. So the output of that 
operation qualification is going to be your finalized drawings, your work instructions, any press sheets as far as settings uh, that are going to be needed to be repeatable on that product. At that point, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go into our process qualification PQ and we're going to run the product a few times through. We're going to basically ensure that uh, the operators are trained. They can take the documentation we've created. They can set press, set up the press per what the OQ defined and that we're going to continue to get reliable product no matter who's running it and when they're running it. And this this whole pack, this whole IQ OQPQ, and of course, anybody who's listening to this who's in the medical device world is very familiar with IQ OQPQ. And can you speak to, you know, because I know we're doing a lot of class one single use disposable medical device applications. At least we have a QMS built to handle that. Yeah. What by us having, you know, and, and I'll also just say that, you know, over the past decade, the the adoption of just strengthening our company's understanding of how to properly do process validation, which you've had obviously a very large contribution to improving our company at as your kudos. I mean, it was, it, it was, it, it's, it's become kind of just an, it's just become standard practice around here now, but from, from the, from the brand owner, um, the person who's trying to commercialize a product standpoint, how does that by having a partner that, that understands process validation, how does that accelerate whatever they need to do to get a product to market in terms of, you know, what, what checkbox is that check in that FDA process so that, um, it it gets them speed to market. Yeah, you know, whatever their design process is, whether they're following a phase gate or a stage gate, um, by us understanding what they're talking about when they say, hey, we're going to run through, we need these samples, we're going to run through this testing, we're going to try this, we're going to try this, you know, or we're going to try three different materials. And by us saying, okay, we understand that is, and we understand what we need to do, and we're going to be able to support you by supplying the appropriate documentation. You're not going to have to come back to us and say, oh, hey, you know, that was a really nice uh, email you sent, but can I please have data in a form? We're going to have that, and, um, you know, it's going to be just automatic for us. And if they didn't ask for it right off the bat, if somebody comes back, you know, six months later, a year later, we're going to have that information. We're going to be able to supply it. And that just can be a huge support, you know, especially if someone runs into, uh, you know, where they're in an audit or, you know, they're trying to do some investigation on their product. The fact that we've got that information and, you know, as a result of whatever we did as an output of our OQ and PQ, we continue to track the critical appropriate information for that product and contain, you know, traceability throughout our process as an out, you know, once again, as an output of what we defined as the requirement for those products. Um, it's just a tremendous service to the customer that they can get that information because, you know, as being on the other end of things, when I've gone back and said, okay, well, where did this come from or what happened here or where's the testing for this? And when you can't get it, you know, through the supply chain, it can be awfully painful. I'm glad you mentioned traceability because the whole IQ OQPQ is usually like when it's a new product launch or maybe a significant change, but in staying on the vein of, I guess, higher compliance kind of requirements, even though I know we pretty much have traceability everywhere, but can you speak to what do, what do we do in terms of um, ensuring traceability in our process that I guess our customers, I guess, appreciate that we do that because it reduces their risks. 
All right, you know, once again, dependent on the final application and the customer's requirements, but if we need to have traceability back to the raw material and even a batch or a subset within a lot of raw material, we're going to have that. We're going to know what where we used it in our process and we're going to know where it landed in their final product. So we can take it all the way back, uh, including, you know, who ran it in our process, you know, what days it was run on and what testing was done or inspection was done. It's all right there. So you can take the raw material and this raw material came from this very specific batch and it ended up right here in your final roll that arrived fully labeled in your factory. And if you call TapeCon and you say, I need to know something about this role, we can go get that information and we can go get that information fairly quickly. Well, because we're in a multi, I mean, what makes our industry unique is you've got a multi-material process happening at all the time. I mean, obviously we're using additive print type technologies and printing layers. So you've got the chemistry kind of the, the chemistry layer all the different substrates in the in a complex converting process can be multiple webs of material handling coming in and then the unit of measure headache right because you've got things coming in either square inches or rolls or linear feet or i mean how do you square all that up and then make sure that the documentation actually have traceability and how far back does that even go up the supply chain you know, you know it, it depends you know i mean we might say that um we we track things by a role at a time. We might say, okay, well, these are how these four roles are going to go through the system, or this is each pallet is going to have this information. And it's going to depend on a few things. Um, did the lot change or something significant change about one of the input materials? Well, at that point, we're going to know where that changed, and we're going to carry that change through as far as our documentation. We'll change our lot where necessary. Um, so it can get really complicated but we're willing to do what's needed to maintain that information. And our, 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 uh, our operators are, are trained on that and they're used to it, you know, um, to the point where we say, okay, well, this doesn't really need that level. People will question, gee, why aren't we keeping that level of information? And it's, well, you know, the intended use of this product doesn't, you know, it's not really, it's not a requirement for it. It's not a medical device. It's not this, it's not that. So, but we're just so used to that level. Now, that said, we do have a minimum traceability where we know what a received lot of material, of any uh, supplied raw material, we know where that's used in within our lots of product. Mm -hmm. That's at our very minimum. Yeah. Right. And so taking a step back, I mean, can you go through all of the different compliance standards that we comply to? Because we serve a lot of different customers in a lot of different markets, right? So yeah. what are all the different types of compliance implications that we have to comply to that kind of run across your desk that we just always have to have, you know, answers to? Well, definitely uh, ISO 9001 and 1345, depending on the industry. Um, part eight, uh, 820 of the FDA, part 11 of the FDA as far as software compliance and um, uh, validation. We run into ITAR, which is uh, basically security of um, classified material. 
that comes up quite a bit. Um, let me see what else. And we just follow CGMP, which is uh, good manufacturing practices, current good manufacturing practices. And that really does cover you in a lot of different industries. It's very specific to medical, but if you're covering that, you're going to meet what aerospace is looking for. You're going to meet what automotive is working for. You're going to meet what food is looking for. Yep. I, I had written down four more. I was going to ask you to comment. REACH, Rojas, a CFC, C of A. What about those? What are all those acronyms? Okay. Yeah, so REACH and Rojas, those are um, regulatory, statutory um, out of Europe, and they have to do with content of your product uh, and the raw materials, uh, basically for, um, you know, sustainability initiatives. And so basically what we need to do is we need to confirm that the raw materials that we're purchasing meet those requirements that basically they don't contain certain chemicals, metals, things like that, and that we don't then add something to them that would knock them out of compliance for that. Um, ASTM specs come to mind. An ASTM spec is basically a, it's a test usually that's been performed on some product, some raw material, that's confirming that that raw material meets a specification for um, some sort of performance. So customers will also often spec in, you know, um, ASTM, you know, 555, and we will make sure that we have it in, throughout our entire system that we are going to purchase material that meets that ASTM specification. We're going to confirm that only that material can be used in the product. And then, yeah, we're going to issue a, a certificate of, of um, conformance to the customer. We're going to state, we used this lot of raw material that met these ASTM requirements. Here's the test results if you need them. And that goes back to the traceability. It's all there. Yeah, and as you're talking about the REACH Rojas, and just the last thing a brand owner is going to want to do is realize that there's a problem with those raw materials too far down the road, right? So early consultancy right. of of that material set is probably a good thing. I just want to make that comment. As far as testing, quality testing, um, what type of uh, test, test um, services do we have as part of any type of shipments or things like that? Do we do any type of special testing or what? How do you see our quality team servicing our customers in terms of testing services? Okay, so, well, we do a lot of measurements because we're, we're often um, creating and uh, making parts for customers that they need to fit, they need to just fit, fit just right. Um, maybe there's a UL specification or, you know, some performance specification. We do poll testing to confirm that product has, you know, you mentioned before that we bring a lot of products together. Well, we do pull testing to make sure that they're not coming apart. Um, and there's, of course, 100% inspection on everything as far as a visual inspection, whether that's by human eye and more and more often now via a camera system. No, for sure. Big roadmap on technology investments in um, camera inspection to automate, you know, the human eye, which isn't always reliable. So, sure. no, that's good. I mean, that was kind of through my list. I mean, there's a, I feel like I could go down 10 different rabbit holes in of compliance in terms of, 
you know, regulatory trends. You mentioned sustainability. I think that could be a podcast in itself um, yeah. on sustainability. I might have to bring you back on because for those listening, Mary's involved on um, our local Western New York um, sustainable roundtable. She was on the board and we're doing some things in sustainable materials, but there's a whole bunch of uh, compliance implications behind that. Maybe not uh, definitely from a material set relevant to our customers, but there's a lot of things that go there. I don't know, uh, Mary, that's, that's kind of all I had. Is there any um, other comments that you want to make in general about, um, I don't know, quality in general in terms of our production process or quality and how it's relevant to anybody listening that's trying to either make a product or uh, commercialize or improve a product? Yeah, you know, I think quality has come to mean um, – one of the key components of it is a process approach. And I think that quality has moved from that, you know, standalone kind of department of uh, the police department within companies to, you know, more of uh, integrated practices throughout the company. And I just really feel, and I've always felt since I began in manufacturing some 25 years ago, just how critical is that things are made right and that everybody can have the assurance that it was made right, it's going to work and it's going to work in its intended use. And, you know, it's something that affects all of us, you know, every day. We all use some form of medical device almost every day or we know somebody who is under medical care. And it's just this feeling of, you know, um, adding value to everything around you, the fact that, you know, meaningful work, that you're part of making sure that you're not just making something, but when you make this thing, it is adding value to people's lives and it is going to work for them when they need it to work. Yeah. And, and it's like, you, you think about like this DFM, DFS, DFT, this design for manufacturing, design for supply chain in that early stage thinking, but a lot of people um, I'm not saying they forget about it, but design for test is a big thing, like asking those questions early. And of course, spoken like a true quality professional to really say the assurance word, uh, quality assurance, not quality control. Because, yeah, I mean, just having end of line inspection is not, it's not going to get It's never going to get you quality. It's not going to get you quality, right? It's still important sometimes and it's still necessary. Um, but no, you know, if you don't make it, in your process and your your outputs weren't quality products, you're not going to inspect it in. Right. It's just yeah. it's not going to happen, right? It's not happen. So it's it starts far far upstream from there. All right, well, Mary, I appreciate you getting on. I know it's not easy to just get thrown on a podcast because it's not something you do every day. So uh, I know you got warmed up as we got going, so that's good. And I appreciate you being on. Is there any uh, anything you want to add before we kind of wrap up? No, I'm good. Uh, thanks for inviting me. All right, Mary, our quality and compliance manager. Thanks for coming on. I think that's employee number three. Let's see, we had Dave on, then we had Raphael on. I think it's your employee three on the podcast. So I'll I'll try to every now and again keep sprinkling in uh, different functions within the TapeCon organization to mix it up. So thanks, Mary, and I will see you around uh, the land of TapeCon. So thanks very All much. Right. Thanks, Steve. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. The Better Products Podcast is about educating product teams about new materials and new technologies, all in the custom material converting and printed electronic space to help them design and build better products.
So in this podcast, I'm hoping to get wide-ranging conversations with various people throughout the industry and just bring a lot of good content to the table. So if you're interested in learning more about the industry, materials, processes, how to improve uh, products if you're on a product team, or just general know-how of what the heck is going on in this industry, then subscribe to the podcast and get ready for some more really good episodes as I bring in some great guests. Thanks. Thanks.